and welcome to the Society of Construction Law Australia's podcast, the podcast where we will look at technical and legal issues facing the Australian construction industry. My name is Melissa Yeo, and I'm one of the directors of the Society. In this episode, we hear from two directors of the Society, Marianne Rose, Commercial Manager of Michelle, and Professor Ian Bailey, SC. This interview was conducted at the Society of Construction Law Conference in Canberra in November this year. Ian discusses with Marianne some of the key features of the new AS11000. Be sure to subscribe for regular updates on issues facing the construction industry. You can also find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and iTunes. Just follow at SCLAUST for updates. I'm Melissa Yeo, and we look forward to you joining us. Hello, you're here with Marianne Rose from the Society of Construction Law. Today, I'm really fortunate to be speaking with Professor Ian Bailey of Wentworth Chambers on the AS11000. The draft AS11000 was prepared by a team comprising of representatives from the Society of Construction Law, the Australian Procurement and Construction Council, Ausroads, the Australian Institute of Architects, the Construction Industry Engineering Services Group and the Civil Contractors Federation of Australia. The changes proposed will have important implications for owners and principals and contractors alike. Ian, what are some of the key changes that this introduces for us? Well, one of the most significant changes um, is the introduction of good faith, a general provision for the contractor and the principal to act in good faith and linking that also with uh, an obligation to give early warning of matters that may lead to a dispute. The if, if I can put it this way, this is an introduction of a softer approach to contracting that is recognised through other contracts as NEC, NEC3 in, and the new infrastructure contract in the United Kingdom. It's a recognition, I think, that uh, we have to move away from strictly combative approaches. Um, the next area of great significance is the uh, uh, having a parallel but linked new broad dispute resolution standard which is AS11004 which introduces a quite radical in the sense of an Australian uh, approach um, appointment of somebody whose role is to assist the parties to deal with matters as they arise. It's based on the Hong Kong DRA system that's extraordinarily successful. And it's, if I can put it this way, an exercise in common sense. And I think that that's the most radical development. What we have tried to do, however, is to um, limit the language. We've cut words. The I have insisted although we're not moving to plain English, I've tried to make sure that every subclause had no more than four lines. It didn't work. We have, I can give the statistics on that, but it's easy to read. And we've cut out all of the legalese to the extent as we can. And one of our important philosophies is that we don't have anything on process. It's all to do with um, rights and obligations. And one of the other great reforms, in a sense, is that I managed to persuade Standards Australia to use must, the imperative must, wherever that occurs, and there is no soft options and confusion about shall. Fantastic. I mean, one of the interesting changes uh, in the standard is 
not just the approach to language, but the approach to good faith. And it's not uncommon in contracts to see an obligation on the parties to act in good faith towards each other. In AS 4000, uh, it's the superintendent that is required under Clause 20 to fulfil his role and functions or her role and functions reasonably and in good faith. AS 2124 doesn't contain a provision on good faith, but it is worth mentioning that the express obligations under AS 4000 for the superintendent to act in good faith has been dropped in AS uh, 11,000. Um, what, what's the basis for this move away? I think what we've distinguished um, in the provisions about the superintendent's role is not to impose the confusion, if you like, upon the role of the superintendent. We decided not to extend the obligation under 1.1 to the superintendent. What we have, have however, is dealt with um, one very particular way in which we've dealt with assessments that the, uh, the superintendent has to make. And we've put added words acting reasonably whenever there is a requirement to act reasonably. And that is explained in Clause 20 by simply saying that when doing such a thing and making an assessment, the superintendent must act impartially. So the duty is impartiality rather than good faith, and I think that's a more comfortable fit rather than confusing the good faith obligations on the contract, contractor and the principal. But that's the reason why. Well, there's certainly a lot of subtlety in this contract, and, and one of the interesting features I also noticed was that it does seek to distinguish delay damages and delay costs under proposed clauses uh, 37... Um, 0.22 and 37.23. Um, do you think that some of this subtlety is going to be lost on engineers that might be at the coalface who, who might look to add delay costs to, to an invoice? Or, or do you think you're talking about plain English? What, what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, I think the, the, the difference between delay costs and delay damages um, arise only on the, base, on, the, on the basis for the extension of time. If it's a, uh, if you like, an act of prevention, that entitles the contractor not only costs, but damages. And that's simply an application of, I can put it this way, the prevention principle or the law in relation to um, compensation for breaches by the principal or the superintendent on their behalf. Um, we've tried to make it a little clearer than it was in AS4000. I hope we've achieved it. So I'd be really curious to know what message uh, you might have for the construction industry to, to embrace this new contractual form because sometimes legal advisors do struggle to convince businesses to use new standard forms that they're particularly unfamiliar with. What, what, what would you suggest? Well, one of the things we, um, I, I think we've managed to achieve is not to change the language to a great degree because if people have been familiar with, particularly AS2124, except for the fact that the, a lot of the provisions were extraordinarily long. We've abbreviated them, but we've still used words that are not, if I can put it correctly, plain English. They are the simplified versions of the of something that is well understood. And we thought that that would be a, it was a better approach than to try and do something terribly radical and oversimplify. But um, I, quite frankly, uh, think that what we've dealt with, we've got a strict application of Abramson principles 
and we've allowed for delay costs, for example, on anything where the risk is with the principal. Um, and uh, it's, it's the drafting on those sorts of issues, I think, has been tidied up and simplified. So you've been listening to Marianne Rose from the Society of Construction Law speaking with Professor Ian Bailey on AS11000. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much.